What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, training camp is on the field right now. That means summer bods are out. And the only way to truly have a summer bod is by manscaping. So make sure you get in on the Lawnmower 3.0 to trim up everything that needs to be trimmed up below the belt. And the Lawnmower 3.0 from manscaped.com is the best place to get that Lawnmower 3.0 and the, be- the best tools for the family jewels. And on top of the Lawnmower 3.0, might I recommend getting the Perfect Package 3.0, which comes with that Lawnmower 3.0. It comes with the Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver, both things that you absolutely need when training camp is in session like it is right now. And might I recommend getting the Shears 2.0 luxury four-piece nail kit to go along with that. And if you go to manscaped.com, use that magical code DNVR20 to get 20% off your entire purchase and free shipping. So check them out. Check out that lawnmower 3.0 at manscaped.com. Use that magical code DNVR20. All right, Brian, let's hop into the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Thursday edition. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Ryan Koningsberg, who's coming live from training camp. And we'll be joined by Andrew Mason shortly. Ryan, my boy, what's going on? How is it going in the heat in training camp? It's going good, man. And I guess before uh, before you tell us about the presenting sponsor of the show, I have one question for those of you who are tuning in. So drop it in the comment section. Uh, do you want the good news first or the bad news first? Whatever, whoever answers first is what we're going with. So go shoot off those and we're waiting for those responses. Got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Guys, as the entire world is going online right now, specifically schools, more and more schools going online this fall. Make sure to check out MSU Denver Online because they have mastered the art of online learning. They're not doing any last-minute scrambling on how to how to teach online. They've already mastered it. So check out all they have to offer, including over 40 online and hybrid programs and 750 classes at msudenver.edu slash online. They've got it all there. So make sure to check out msudenver.edu slash online. Line. Ryan, do we have a response yet? Oh, lots we, of responses. We have many responses. You know, uh, I was going to say, I wish, I was thinking we'd go with the first response, but so many people said they want the bad news first that I guess we'll just go there and we'll start low and, and work our way up as, as, we, uh, as we go through this. Zach, the bad news is uh, the injury bug was out here today, and, and it's really unfortunate. Um, you start with KJ Hamler, who Vic Fangio says is going to miss a couple weeks with a hamstring injury, and I got hand when it's attached to a stick guy uh and then you have davis who limped off the field with the calf injury after he missed all of training camp with the calf injury last year uh and you know zach it's you just hate to see this 
Yeah, you, you really do. You hate to see KJ out for a couple of weeks now with the hamstring. And with ham, hamstrings, that really scares me just because of what that means for a fast guy. Uh, he did leave practice earlier in the week. Vic said that he's been battling through this this week. And so hate to hear that. And of course, Todd, oh, Ryan, we just talked to him a couple of days ago and he was thrilled to be actually practicing this training camp since he got injured just a couple plays into training camp last year. Uh, and now it seems like he's, uh, according to Mike Kliss, going in for an MRI right now. And Von Miller and Melvin Gordon also uh, being held out of parts of practice. Uh, Von's dealing with an elbow tweak, as Vic Fangio called it. Melvin's dealing with a rib tweak, as Fangio called it. Um, they're getting additional tests done right now. We'll find out more. But, Ryan, up until now, the Broncos have been great on the injury bug, and it just all hit on day six. Yeah, you know, I think Melvin and Vaughn uh, will be fine. That's just my gut feeling on those. Um, and, y- you know, you always hate to see big names like that coming out of practice. But, you know, this Todd Davis injury is the one that scares me the most. Um, the Broncos just don't have a ton of depth at the inside linebacker position. Um, Todd Davis is kind of, you know, chronically underrated by Broncos fans, but he is a big part of this defense. And, you know, I think I might've even underrated him a bit until last season when he missed the first two games of the year. And specifically in that Raiders game, you know, uh, part of his on the coaches because they brought in Corey Nelson on like Wednesday and threw him out there on Monday. Um, But, you know, it's you saw in those couple games that they really need this guy out there. Uh, and for us to hear that it's a calf injury after that's exactly what happened to him last year that caused him to miss all of training camp in the first two games of the season, it just really sucks. You hope that, you know, maybe it was just a tweak, but it felt similar and that kind of freaked him out. But he wasn't putting any uh, pressure on it as he was taken off the field. He was carted uh, and then really really was a slow process watching him get down the tunnel uh, and into the locker room. Uh, And the other thing that really, um, really sucks was his body language. Uh, You know, just his head in his hands uh, as he got carted off. And so you just cross your fingers and hope that, you know, he was spooked because it was a similar injury. and, And you just hope that this one is less severe. Yeah, Todd Davis really is the perfect complement to, to Alexander Johnson. Really a big leader in the middle of that defense. Ryan, who filled in for Todd? It was a mix. Uh, you saw some Justin Stranod in there, and that was uh, nice to see because he actually played pretty well. He had one of the defensive plays of the day when he absolutely just bursted through the hole and just popped Levante Bellamy uh, you know, almost harder than you want to see someone get popped in practice. But I'd say he went right up to the line uh, and got there. And then Josie Jewell um, obviously was one of the guys filling in. And, you know, Josie obviously was a guy that there was a lot of hope around when he was drafted. But, Zach, I think, you know, if we're being honest, not a guy that you would be stoked about if he has to go out there and start a bunch of games for you. Yeah, he reminds me of Elijah Wilkinson. He's he's a good backup. If he's your backup, you feel solid about that, Ryan. But as a starter, a game or two here or there, that's okay. A 16-game starter isn't what you want, and that's what happened with Elijah last year. You, you don't want Josie to have to be in that same position this year. And so we hope that in a couple of hours, Ryan, 
we're saying, okay, it still wasn't a great practice for the Broncos, but not as bad as it could have been. Instead of having to talk about this tomorrow and saying that the Broncos are missing Vaughn, Melvin, Todd, uh, KJ Hamler, all of these guys for a significant amount of time. So that's something that uh, we'll certainly be following all day. Uh, and it's such a shame that that has to lead off the pod, Ryan, because uh, from what it seemed like, it seemed like a great practice, a balanced practice, the offense winning, the defense winning. Of course, I've only seen the defense win. Uh, I think before today you saw the offense win. Is that kind of how practice was? Was it a, was it a win-win almost? Yeah, uh, Zach, I hate – exactly. I hate that we had to lead the show with that because this – was a freaking awesome football practice. Uh, it was so high intensity. Um, there was jawing back and forth. I mean, good jawing. Uh, early on in the practice, Jerry Judy kind of cuts on a slant and slips a little bit, and uh, it ends up being an incomplete pass, even though you might have been able to call pass interference on Isaac Adam. And Isaac Adam starts jawing towards the offense. This is probably on, like, the seventh play of practice, and they're starting in the red zone period. And Philip Lindsay jaws back. Mike, we have five touchdowns already. Shut. <laughs> you can finish the sentence. Uh, and, you know, then later in the practice, you've got Kareem Jackson. They're doing like a, a running game uh, drills. And I, and I won't name who he named, but Kareem Jackson yelled to the offense about a specific player. Y'all better lock him in the cafeteria and not let him leave until he gains 10 pounds. Oh, wow. So they were they were jawing and and they were having fun and never never had a big blow up where you know punches were thrown or anything like that. And Vic Fangio said after practice he loves to see them uh, jaw and talk trash to each other as long as it never escalates the fighting. So that was great. Um, you, you, like you mentioned, you had the defense winning, you had the offense winning, you had uh, you know big plays on both sides of the ball and. I guess I'll jump right to the end of practice because it was an exhilarating end to the practice. First, uh, for some reason, they had the second team leading off every drill today, which was weird to me, but I don't know why. Are so you sure it's not the first team now? Yes, I'm sure okay, that okay, Jeff good, Driscoll good. is not starting <laughs> at quarterback. Um, so Jeff Driscoll's out there and they're doing situations and they've got 26 seconds uh, from the 26-yard line, down four, one timeout. Um, they're not able to move the ball early on very much at all. So they're now they're at the 25 with eight seconds left. They've got no choice but to go to the end zone. And Driscoll scrambles around a little bit, and he looks over. He sees Albert Okuebunam matched up on Devontae Bosby in the back of the end zone, just decides to throw him up, throw it up for him. The whole defense gets over there, but no one can get above the frame of Albert O, who jumps up in the air, snags it, and apparently gets two feet down. Now, Zach, I had a really good view of this, uh, and I didn't think he got two feet down, but there was a referee who had a much better view than me standing right there in the corner of the end zone. He says, touchdown, got both feet in, the defense loses their mind. AJ Boye actually runs up and grabs the flag out of the referee's pocket and throws it in the air. Uh, so they were incensed uh, by the fact that that was called a touchdown. The only thing I could say is if you went to the replay, he might have gotten one foot down and the same uh, the knee on that same foot, which of mm. course would have counted for two feet down. Uh, but it was it was exhilarating and you think to yourself, wow, you know that's that's the play of the day. but 
uh, Drew Locke, you know, he's one of those anything you can do, I can do better type of guys. So he gets the same situation, 26 seconds, 26 yard line, one timeout, down four, needs to score, and he wastes absolutely no time. He, uh, Jerry Judy beats Bryce Callahan off the line, runs a perfect, and I mean perfect fade, and Drew Locke throws a perfect, and I mean perfect ball that hits him in the end zone for what would have been the game-winning touchdown. Uh, and, and it wasn't as theatrical as like the Hail Mary style of the play before, but the perfection of it and the crispness of it and, of course, the fact that it was Drew Locke to Jerry Judy over Bryce Callahan uh, gives it the play of the day for me. It was, you know, that was like a glimpse into the future. There's so much talk about Drew Locke, you know, not pushing the ball down the field last season. And of the two days I've been out here, I've been really impressed with the way he's pushing down the ball down the field in practice and, and the way he's completing those passes. Uh, just incredible. Ryan, I got I to gotta ask you, with 26 seconds left, was there a safety over top? How are you letting, as a defense, how are you letting a fade get you in that situation? It's a good question. Uh, the safety was nowhere to be found, so I, I'm not exactly sure what. I don't know <laughs> if he bit on an underneath route or what. Uh, but, yeah, there was no one over there. It was one-on-one, um, and Drew just – I mean, when I tell you it was a perfect throw, I tell you it, you could not have walked over there and placed it in Jerry Judy's hands any better than he did. Well, that's back-to-back days now, maybe, maybe once every single day in practice so far that Drew has placed a perfect ball for a touchdown catch. Uh, that That's huge, and I also love hearing that Jerry Judy's getting a lot of action in the red zone and – Get a deep pass, 30-yard pass there. Uh, and uh, what, Cortland Sutton, was he connecting deep as well? Yeah, you had a lot of Cortland action. And, and Zach, I'm ready to uh, – you, you remember when the Clippers put together that team and everyone called it Lob City? <laughs> yep. I'm ready to call uh, this offense Slant City. Oh. Uh, they are going to eat on slants this season. Um you know, between Jerry Judy, who is as good of a slant runner as I've seen, and Cortland Sutton, who is a, is very good on slants, and they do it in different ways. Obviously, Jerry's all about getting out of his break and creating separation there, and Cortland's able to use his body to kind of shield off defenders when he's running slants, and Drew Locke throws really great slant ball. And so the combination of those three things tells me that that is – that's going to be the go-to play this year for them on offense. That slant is going to be something that every week the the defense is going to ask themselves how they're going to take that away because it's it's so effective for for this Broncos team. Uh, and so that it's really exciting. The amount of slants you saw completed today from Drew to Cortland, Drew to Jerry, and so on was really encouraging for me. So Slant City, mark it down. Um, and then – you know, another play later in the practice, or, or I guess earlier in the practice since we just started with the end there, uh, Drew runs a nice play action fake to uh, Melvin Gordon and turns around, finds Jerry Judy uh, on a post route. And Justin Simmons actually had pretty good coverage on it, but he was kind of chasing Jerry Judy a bit. So he didn't get a, his head around. And obviously from where we are, it's, it's difficult to see exactly what happened. But I'm pretty convinced that Jerry Judy fooled Justin Simmons with his eyes, getting him to go one way and then caught the ball on the other side of Justin Simmons, which is just like that's like expert level, 500 level class 
master class stuff from wide receiver. Like I said, I'm far enough away that I can't confirm that. But the way that Justin Simmons reacted is all of a sudden he turned the wrong way. And then all of a sudden Jerry Judy's on the other side of him catching the ball. And, and you know, when you hear these guys talk about how much Jerry Judy sets guys up, he's always setting guys up. I get the feeling that that's what he did there. He, he knew the ball was coming on this side uh, of Justin. So he looked on the other side like he was going to go back that way. Uh, and got Justin bite on that little eye fake and caught it on the other side of him. And it's like, I don't know, 100% sure that's what happened. But if it did, that is, like I said, expert level stuff from a wide receiver. And we're talking about an all pro safety and Justin Simmons. And this is day six of training camp practice. And the rookie is doing that to him. Uh, absolutely love that. And while we welcome Mason. Hello, Mace. How are you? I'm doing very well. I was uh, trying to do an interview with Justin Stranod. Unfortunately, he is in a bad cell phone spot. So uh, we'll get a hold of him hopefully thereafter. And uh, I imagine you guys have talked about Todd Davis. And uh, he's one of the guys who's, who could be the next guy up. And uh, with his coverage ability, might really be the next man up. Yeah, obviously, when we, we, we broke down the injuries earlier in this and Mace, the whole time we were um, talking about the injuries, all we were saying was, you know, screw this. I just can't believe that this is how the practice. <laughs> so had, had did you go. run the clip while I was gone? <laughs> screw this. Screw this. Screw this. I don't even have to be here to be on this show. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's how legendary you are, Mace. <laughs> um, um, and uh, but Ryan, Ryan, so Mace, Ryan was telling us how this is going to be slant city on the Broncos offense because Jerry Judy can run slants well and so can Cortland Sutton both in their unique way. And Ryan, you said that's that's exciting. And I, I just I think a lot of people are saying, Ryan, that's the opposite of exciting. But here's what's exciting about it is it complements what Drew Locke can do so well because you run those slants, run those slants, run those slants. So then, especially with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, you fake a slant, boom, off to the races. Jerry Judy is going to fake it pretty much as good as anyone else in the league right now. And Cortland Sutton, we know he's a deep ball expert. So, man, that combo to me is what is really exciting. Hey, man, if you don't get excited about slants, I don't know what, what you're doing out here. So I love slants. <laughs> Ryan, it sounds like we're talking about a, a Paxton Lynch offense, or, although slants are the hardest ball to throw, according to Paxton, right? No, pa the hardest ball to throw for Paxton is a five yard in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. That's not a joke. That's literally what yeah. he said. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, if you develop the slant game, it's well and good, but the Let's say you get to the moment where the safeties start to anticipate it. And that's where you guys talk about Jerry Judy being able to kind of disguise his intent and fake a defender out. If they start playing the slants, you just have you just have him running out, and all of a sudden he's got space. He can turn up field, he can create something explosive. I mean, the possibilities here are pretty limitless for this for this offense, even if you have to play without KJ Hamler for a while. It's not it's tough losing him, but that doesn't mean I'm not buying stock in the Broncos offense long term and even short term. I think they can still do some dynamic things from time to time. Yeah, it de definitely. And so we talked about how the offense had a good day, but Ryan, you said it, it was a great practice because the offense wants some, the defense wants some. All I've heard is touchdowns being scored. So tell me how the defense won a bit today. Yeah. Uh, early on, you had a really nice sack uh, from Jeremiah Atachu. 
uh, kind of a forgotten man on this defense, but he's a guy who can really make plays. Uh, in some one-on-ones later, he was uh, going play for play with Damar Dotson uh, to the point where both of them were, were pretty frustrated with each other. It was like a, just a good old battle. Both of them frustrated by the end of it. Uh, then you had A.J. Johnson and Shelby Harris combined for a sack. And I loved this because it was an aggressive play from the defense. Uh, and I don't know if it was a call or, you know, kind of a, a audible, if you, if you will. But you had Royce Freeman in the backfield. He motions out. And as soon as he motions out, you could feel uh, A.J. Johnson's eyes light up because he knew he was coming on a blitz or he knew that if, if they did go empty, that he had the green light to come on a blitz and just blast through. They're both coming right at Graham Glasgow. He has to choose one. He kind of doesn't choose either. Uh, and both of them get back there for a sack on Drew Locke. So that was a good one. Uh, then later you had AJ Boye with a really nice pick and coverage of uh, Tim Patrick. I put that one on Tim Patrick a little more than I put it on Drew Locke just because uh, it looked like he had given up on the route just a little bit. Sort of like uh, almost a one-for-one comparison to that Henry Ruggs clip that's going viral right now where he's being covered by Damon Arnett and you know everyone's loving to dunk on Ruggs right now because he didn't get separation on that. To me, it just looked like he didn't try on the route, which is equally as bad. And I just it looked to me like uh, Tim Patrick didn't expect the ball to come his way. And then all of a sudden, you know, he looks over, it looks back and it's coming towards him. And AJ had him completely blanketed, jumped up and made a nice play. Um, they, the defense had some really nice blowups of some runs. Uh, there was one that, I mean, it was a sweep to the left side for Royce Freeman. Royce was so dead in the water before he even got the ball that I actually thought it was a halfback pass for a second because like he he caught it and he literally had nowhere to go so he just like stopped and looked around uh and they they blasted it in the backfield he probably should have just thrown it away and seen what happened uh but you know there's there was a lot of back and forth i loved it i loved the trash talk um and uh and i think the whole team aside from the injuries got better today because they were so intense and uh and there was so much back and forth Outside of the the injuries, was this an ideal practice in terms of, you know, we're not having to sit here and talk about how, yeah, Von Miller was great, but the offensive line was dreadful. Or, you know, the secondary was just getting picked apart. Is this what you want to see in a practice? Because we, have, we, we haven't really seen balanced practices in many years. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I keep having to remind myself of the quarterback that play that we've seen out here. Uh, in reminding myself that how much better Drew Locke is than some of the stuff, some of the crap we've seen out here on this field over the last few years. And like, it, it truly is impressive. You know, he just makes certain throws that you never saw before. Obviously the touchdown to Sutton yesterday that, you know, kind of made its rounds on social media. I was thinking to myself, like, when's the last time the Broncos had a quarterback who makes that throw? Uh, Peyton Manning incredible quarterback even he doesn't you know do this the the roll left throw back across your body uh a strike into the corner of the end zone so that's something that i think is is been awesome and uh shelby harris said it you know drew's confidence and drew swagger rubs off on the entire offense and i don't think that could be any more true and i think that is the reason why you're seeing these type of battles you know, there was a time where Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch were out here leading an offense against 
uh, Akib Tlaib and Chris Harris Jr. and Thon Miller and all these guys. And it's like all of the confidence and all the swaggers on one side of the ball. And it, and it resulted in some really lopsided practices. Now the offense believes in themselves in a way that I just have not seen in a while. Uh, and it, and I think that's why you're getting the, the, you know, a practice like today where they're just exchanging blows because the offense doesn't feel overmatched anymore. And I think that's pretty awesome. It's been a while. You have to probably go back to 2014 to see that in training camp, because even in 2015, remember Peyton was coming off of a difficult end of the 2014 season. And he was trying to learn that offense uh, that Gary Kubiak was installing and, the defense was dominating at times. So, I mean, it's been it's been a long time since we've seen anything like this in terms of an offense that was able to take the measure of the defense. And I don't think it's I don't think it's on the defense all, all that much. I don't think the defense is bad. I just think the offense is starting to is starting to make plays. Now, that being said, the area where I'm not sure that confidence is translating to is the tackle positions on the offensive line. But that may just be a talent thing. Yeah, yeah, very, very well could be. Ryan, I need a D-pop and an O-pop today. All right, D-pop, 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 D-pop. Um, Sounds like you're talking about Greg Popovich. Well, <laughs> who's the K-pop? I mean, is that Brandon McManus every day because he's, he's the only kicker on the roster? I yeah, hope so. Although I did see uh, Sam Martin hit a, a literal perfect punt. Uh, a little coffin corner that landed on the one-inch yard line of out-of-bounds and bounced directly into the pylon, but it hit out-of-bounds first, so it would have been a perfect punt. That was a, that was impressive. Um, the the D-pop for me is probably A.J. Boye. Uh, I was impressed with him. I, you know, he had that pick, but also you just didn't see him get picked on uh, much at all during the practice. Uh, I think he's holding his own well. I think he's getting better uh, each and every day out here at least from, from what we've been hearing and from what I saw the first practice to what I saw today, I think he's really starting to you know fit in a little bit better on that defensive side. That's huge for this defense to have a true number one cornerback. And if he's, if he's locking down Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy pretty well, I'm comfortable saying he's a true number one quarterback. For them to have that would be huge. Yeah, absolutely. And then, oh, man, oh, pop. <laughs> oh pop uh, oh pop <laughs> um i'll probably go i probably go jerry judy uh oh, it's just the way you know he starts the practice the very first actually very second play of practice second throw of practice uh and it's just another one where he's on a slant in the back of the end zone and you're looking around like who was supposed to be covering him uh and you know uh my guy troy over here Said he said he thought the defense might have thought it was like a sack uh, and stopped playing because it was close. There was pressure in the backfield, but I, I thought I thought it was just a clean break from Judy, who runs a slant to the back of the end zone and is just completely wide open back there. And then you combine you combine that with the play of the day on the last play of practice, uh, which was a perfect route, perfect throw. Uh, so Judy probably gets it for me today on offense, uh, and then a, a a side MVP of offense today goes to Hunter Watts. Why? Because when I showed up to practice today, they <laughs> they had this chart on the uh, uh, on the sign-up table, and it, and it had some players' names without their numbers, and it had some players' numbers without their names. 
And they asked everyone, you know, can you identify all of these players? And Lloyd Cushenberry was one of the ones you had to guess his number. And there's all these different guys out there. Uh, but the one that no one could get, of course, before me was number 77. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. I had literally no clue, but uh, Aspen, who was up there, said it, it might be the most obscure player on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This is They've done this two days, and this is now two days in a row that we've won it. Let's Ye- go, yes- baby. Yes, I got a little <laughs> pin yesterday, and the tricky one, the one that got others but didn't trip me up, was Calvin Anderson, number 76. Mm. And And so, you know what? If we're going to get these every day, shouldn't they give us two credentials like the TV stations have? Oh. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what will be up for grabs tomorrow when I'm up for this. Whew, a lot of pressure on my shoulders, guys. Yeah, if you, if you keep winning, I mean, hey, we do pride ourselves on our knowledge here, right? I mean. I don't, but you guys do. <laughs> what do you pride yourself on then? Uh, puns and bad jokes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, brand. I got my uh, Hall of Fame shot glass. So you can drink like a Hall of Famer, and and Hunter Watts now is a Hall of Famer in my mind. It's, it's got it's got the uh, uh, the class of 2019 on there wow. with Champ Bailey and Pat Bolin. So uh, cheers to Hunter Watts. You know what? If Hunter Watts manages to make the team, he probably will be a Central Arkansas Sports Hall of Famer. Think of it that way. There we yeah. go. There we there go. go. I used to always tell Steve when he was feeling down about not being the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Steve, you're in the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame, the Southwest Conference Sports Hall of Fame, the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. You're going to get there. You're already a Hall of Famer and by <laughs> some measure. Hey, uh, Mace, you're not seeing the messages that we're sending you, so I'll just have to tell you here. The link that you tweeted out was the link for for people to join the show, not to watch the show. Oh, whoops. (laughs) (laughs) So we got a lot of people uh, wanting to join right now. Wait a second. Zach, I got that off of your feed. Oh, Uh -oh. that means Zach did it too. I got it off the Periscope feed. Oh, well, I don't know how that happened. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I took that. I took that from Zach's tweet when, after a couple of tries with Stranod and uh, then realizing, oh, he's in the, he, he he's in an area that's kind of a cell phone uh, dead zone over at Broncos HQ, and uh, saying, no, okay, you we're did just it. Get I'm looking. Later. I'm looking at my tweet right now, trying to put me on blast. I can't let that happen, Mace. No, no. <laughs> that's on you, Mace. No, I no, I yes, am serious. Look at look at mine all right I now. Did, <laughs> all I did was cut and paste Zach's wow. tweet. Trying to throw me under the bus. No, I mean, no, I, I'm not throwing you under the bus. It's true. <laughs> uh, look okay. at that, Zach's tweet right there. That is the periscope <laughs> link. That's ex- that's exactly what I took, guys. Uh, uh, oh, wow. That's a questionable, questionable at best. Uh, Or I thought I took it. Ryan, well, well, thanks for thanks for throwing me under the bus, Mace. Although the the data now proves it. Now I realize, like I hit, I I I had your tweet marked here, and then I cut and pasted it, and then for some reason it still it decided to to, to go through the thing that I cut and pasted before. So, well, crap. (laughs) That's hilarious. We've had like, you know, ten people who are probably just trying to watch the show end up in the back end. Oh, there's another one. Hey, maybe we should let them on. That's actually pretty awesome. Yeah, right. (laughs) 
If Ryan, we we would if uh, if we didn't have to let you run. Before we let you go, do you have any other observations from camp that we need to know? Wait, yeah, save it, it for print. <laughs> yeah, well, I have a couple, and I, and I will save some stuff uh, for my observations on the dnvr.com later today. There's one negative that I do have to talk about from an offensive standpoint. Uh, about three quarters away from the pra- through the practice, they're doing a drill to get themselves off the goal line. So they put the ball at the one-yard line, offense going away from their own end zone, just trying to get some space uh, and trying to, you know, get their backs from out, out from up against the wall. And during this period, there were three different false starts from the offensive line, which put them not from the one-yard line to the half-yard line, uh, somehow going the opposite way of the way they were trying to go. Uh, that was That was tough to see, but – it gave me an interesting observation for when we get to see NFL games with no fans, which we assume is going to happen. Uh, when someone false starts, the whole defense yells it out. And like, sometimes you can pick that up on the broadcast, but it's going to put, I think a bit more pressure uh, on the referees to make those calls. If you know, all of a sudden 11 guys and then probably a sideline as well are all yelling, he jumped, he jumped. Ah! Yeah, it's like muted. <laughs> Although, you have you guys heard that the league is apparently kicking around some ideas to have fans involved remote, remotely and have that noise piped in? Yeah, so what are they going to do? Put a mic at the DNVR bar and pipe that noise in? Maybe. maybe <laughs> or, the best idea. Or, or, use it, or use an app, but you know what? Garrett Bowles might not be free of booze if he has huffs or holding penalties at home games this year. How about Garrett that. Bowles today? You know, uh, he takes so much flack and uh, some, and a lot of times it's been deserved. But man, he answered that question and handled that as well yeah. as you possibly could have. He was asked today, uh, you know, if it, if he has any reaction to the fans booing, and he could have said a lot of things. He said. We have the best fans in the National Football League here, and they deserve the best football. And the way I played was unacceptable. So no one likes to get booed. So I did everything I possibly could this offseason to make myself better. I mean, absolutely knocked it out of the park. And there's no way anyone can hear that quote, look at that quote, and not have some respect for Garrett Bowles. This was the most self-aware I've ever heard Garrett Bowles be. Yeah. And, and, And taking it on himself. The thing that bothered me, after the spate of holding penalties in week two against Chicago last year was leaning on the refs and leaning and basically kind of trying to not accept full responsibility. This, this, this is the most mature version of Garrett Bowles that we've seen and heard. And hopefully it'll translate to the field. Now it's, it's one thing to say that, you're going to make sure that everything is right and you focused on the mental side in the offseason. It's one thing to do that there. It's another thing when you actually get out there in live action in games. That's going to be the test, but it's a positive sign that at least he identifies the problem. That's the first step. Guys recognizing the problem, he did. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was really uh, kind of proud of him in a, in a way, uh, seeing the way he handled himself today. And it, and it, it does give me a little bit – uh, more optimism about what kind of season he can have this year. Yeah, w- without a doubt. And he said, uh, Drew is the quarterback we need. We have the receivers we need. And it comes down to me blocking Drew in order to let this offense go. I mean, wow, it's a very different Garrett Bulls, and that is that is very encouraging to hear. Ryan, anything else? Because I know you're about to get kicked out. 
No, I'm going to save the rest of this for uh, my observations. This will be posted on the dnvr.com later. Uh, so go ahead and, and jump over there. And when you do, you can get a free shirt and a free mask. And we got all sorts of other, you know, good perks for the people. And then another reminder of, for people to head over to YouTube and, and hit us with a subscription there and, and throw us a thumbs up on our videos. You, you guys have been killing it with that lately. We've been getting tons of thumbs ups on our videos. So we really appreciate that. Appreciate that and appreciate all of the new YouTube subscribers. But uh, I'll save the rest for, for the website. Well, Ryan, we appreciate you checking in with us. Everyone on the live, thanks for checking in. Mace and I are going to jump into the rest of this on the podcast version. So if you're watching live, check out the podcast in a couple of hours. And Mace, let's talk to the listeners. Thank you guys so much for checking in with us. And we can't wait to give you updates later on this pod and tomorrow. All right. Thanks, guys, for rolling with us for the rest of this podcast. And let's talk to the people. Let's talk, but first... I want to tell you all about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Of course, a great partner of ours, and they provide some great brews. You want to get some of that strawberry sky. We've had these hot, smoky summer days. You want to take the edge off. You want to cool down a little bit. Get yourself some strawberry sky. Got, of course, Avalanche Beer, Hop Peak, Vanilla Porter Jr., as we like to call it, Colorado Core. All sorts of choices from Breckenridge Brewery. If you can't decide what you want, check out that 15-can sampler. You can go down to Costco or any number of grocery stores around the state of Colorado. Get yourself that 15-can sampler. If you're in the Denver area, check out the farmhouse. If you want to have some great food to go with your Breckenridge brews, 303-803-1380. You can call them, set up a reservation, set up a time you want to eat there. If you just want to take out, no problem. Call that same number, 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. for pickup. You can use that magical code DNVR, save five bucks off your meal, get some of that elevated pub grub. And, of course, you can also get some beer as well. Take home some of those delicious Breckenridge brews if you order from the farmhouse. If you're outside of Colorado, check out the Breck Beer Locator on their website because you'll be able to find it not too far from almost anywhere you are in this country. A couple months ago, I was in Wisconsin, easily able to find Breck, Breck Brews there in Madison, Wisconsin. No small feat because you got a lot of brews and a lot of micro brews there in Wisconsin, but you can still get some of those delicious Breck Brews there and almost anywhere around the country. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DMVR. Mm, and have a Breckenridge brew while you're checking out our Colorado rugby coverage on VDNVR.com because we're not just covering the Raptors anymore. We're covering all things rugby in Colorado and the United States. Our report in Colton Strickler is keeping you up to date on all things American rugby with the DNVR rugby podcast on VDNVR.com. Then you can look for the rugby podcast or the, the rugby uh, content on there and on Twitter at DNVR Rugby. So make sure to check out everything that he's got going on. I love what he's doing. He's breaking down the teams, the players, and the game itself. So if you want to learn the game of rugby, this is the best way to do it. Check out the basic 101 pods that he's doing and check out all the articles. He just dropped a great piece on the website. So make sure to check it out at thednvr.com. All right, Mace, let's talk to the people. First one coming in for you. Yep, Count Locula, but it's a question for you, Z-Man. <laughs> what are the stories of those signed memorabilia pieces behind you on the YouTube videos? Ah, great question there, the Count. Well, 
two very cool ones. The football is a signed Peyton Manning football. My uh, girlfriend's parents got it for me many years ago. And just absolute one, one of the best surprises I could have ever got. Of course, Peyton's an absolute legend. So I had to get the nice little box for it. Thought that would be a nice backdrop. And then also is the, the bat that's above it is a bat from the All-Star game when it was held in Colorado uh, in the late 90s. It's, it's a real wooden bat engraved with all the, the things about the All-Star game. So I appreciate you asking, Count. One question I have, Zach, is why is your background different when we're doing the TV shows versus when you're just doing a podcast? Ah, because Mace, one of them's a studio. No, I mean, I, I, my, my studio is a multi-purpose room, so I come into uh, the office to finish them out with you. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I, I never noticed that before this week. Yeah. Low Country Bronco, hey, my guys. I like what Coach Fangio said about not talking too much and letting the players play. What he went on to say about practice being quizzes and the games being exams, I like also. Has what you've seen at camp so far reflected that this strategy is working? From a listener's perspective, things certainly feel different from the last several years. Yeah, and I, I like what Fangio said about that. He said a lot of coaches talk too much during practice because uh, they want to get their guys in the right position. But what he said – was guys don't have coaches talking in their ear right before a snap. So I'm not going to do that. And I love that Mace practice how you play. And there's another thing at work as well. Also unspoken, but Vic Fangio three decades as an NFL assistant before he got the Broncos opportunity, actually a little more than three decades. And I think with Vic, he sees things as a lot of his assistants see it. And there are a lot of assistants who don't want the head coach looming over their shoulder. They want to be trusted to do their jobs. I think a lot of this is also Vic Fangio trusting his coaches to do their jobs for which they were hired. Right, right, exactly, Mason. Next one coming in from Naderade. Curious on y'all's thoughts as to why Jerry Judy or even KJ Hamler have not had any long completions like Sutton has. Is Judy running deep routes at this point? Keep in mind, by the time y'all reading this question, Judy very well may have exploded for a 40-yard TD. And you're right. You did put this question as last night. But, yes, Jerry Judy had a deep catch on Clinton, or on uh, Justin Simmons today, so no worries on that anymore. Yeah, but that being said, don't be surprised if you see Judy sometimes kicking inside to the slot and running some short intermediate routes. Uh, they're – one thing that I've seen in both practices that I was at was uh, some short slants to Jerry Judy out of the slot. Sometimes they work, sometimes they didn't, but I think he's going to be somebody who maybe moves around a little bit in terms of how he gets used early on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Next one from TK Freeze. My boys, AJ Boye compared Judy to Amari Cooper the other day. Is it unfair that I was kind of disappointed by this comparison? Amari is a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. But for some reason, he doesn't excite me. I know, I know. I can already hear the very valid points being made by Mace about this, that this is a great thing if he becomes Amari. But is that his ceiling? It feels higher to me. What do you guys think? Am I just too much on the hype train? As always, you guys are the best. Well, Mace, before you chime in, I got to say, man, I, I, I knew people were going to feel this way about the Amari Cooper comparison. Yeah. You should be ecstatic if he becomes Amari Cooper. <laughs> now, his ceiling... I'll go with another Alabama receiver. I think his ceiling is Julio Jones. 
no offense to Amari Cooper, Julio Jones is better. Julio Jones is somebody who's putting together a Canton-worthy resume. I think that's Jerry Judy's ceiling. Oof. Yeah, that is quite the ceiling. And the way I take it is uh, Boye didn't say, I can see um, Jerry Judy developing into Amari Cooper. He said, like, that's what he sees right now. So for a rookie a couple days into training camp to look like a Pro Bowl 1,000-yard receiver, top 10 receiver right now, that's incredible. So you, you got to take that piece. And, Mace, I agree with you. I mean, his ceiling could be that high as well. So um, when he's compared to Amari Cooper three days into training camp, yeah, that's pretty darn impressive knowing that his ceiling is clearly much higher than that. And, of course, the thing to remember is that Alabama receivers drafted in the first round in the Nick Saban era. Those guys are ready to go. We saw it with Julio Jones. We saw it with Amari Cooper. We saw it with Calvin Ridley. Looks like we're seeing it again with Jerry Judy. CU Drew 77 checks in. Fellas, you got me. Been dragging my feet for years to join the club, but the offense and defense are finally exciting enough to spend the money on your first class commentary. Well, thank you. Appreciate thank you riding you. along Welcome with us. Welcome on board. My biggest issue has been the covert ads, so I'm going to try to help you out by grouping those ads into five seconds so we think that we can talk more about football. Elijah Wilkinson needs more Strava Craft coffee to beat out DeMar Dotson. However, if Vic tastes too many Breckenridge brews, you might be screwed and get the Skrillex reference the league season five episode 10 and wish the Manscaped lawnmower 3.0 will be our only salvation with that said please take some additional time to answer why it matters that we have an RB1 controversy the depth chart when we have arguably the best one-two punch in the league shows that our running game should prosper no matter what so who cares who starts at running back is this another chip on the shoulder from Lindsay I am a CU alumni and think he got robbed in the draft and is he playing more for a better contract versus winning this fabled RB1 slot? Well, of course it's more, it's another chip on Lindsay's shoulder because that's just how Philip Lindsay rolls. He's going to take, hey, you're going to tell him he has a good hair day and he's going to say, I can't believe you don't believe it's a great hair day and take that as a chip on his shoulder. That's just how Philip Lindsay is. So for him, chips on his shoulder are good. But well, a funny thing that you mentioned that CU Drew 77 is after practice, um, Fangio was asked about that, and he said, I anticipate both playing enough where they don't really have to designate a starter, so he's not worried about it, and really, it's not a big deal who the starter is. It's going to be a bigger deal outside the building than inside the building. Of course, right now, Melvin Gordon is having his ribs looked at, so a little bit of an injury concern already in there, and you know what? Like it or not, this is why Royce Freeman is going to make this team, because while Levante Bellamy has the capability to do some spectacular things, Royce Freeman, someone with experience, someone that they trust, he's probably going to be in the mix. The other thing, you talk about the guy starting and then backing up. You remember the 2015 season where it seemed like for the Broncos between Ronnie Hillman and C.J. Anderson, whoever was the backup did better. C.J. did better (laughs) as a backup. Ronnie Hillman did better when he was coming in for C.J., Yep, yep, <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> I guess you don't really hope that's the case. Yeah. Dan Burke heard from a few reports that Tyree Cleveland has been flashing out there. Just seeing highlights on him, he definitely looks a lot bigger than his listed height. I actually thought he was a tight end out there until I realized who 86 was, LOL. Has he impressed any of y'all, and is there any chance he can push through and make the 53? Hey, he made it in my notebook yesterday. I thought he had a great day. He just 
basically he's he appears to be taking a job from Fred Brown, Jawan Winfrey, or both. At this and point. not a surprise, really. I mean, be, being the new guy, and it's not like Jawan Winfrey or Fred Brown are established guys anyway, so he's probably going to have the benefit of the doubt, and right now he's playing better than both of them. And, man, you guys are asking very spot-on questions today. I love it because Dan Burke, Vic Fangio talked about Tyree Cleveland after practice today, and Vic, we know he, he's not – really going to give gushing comments all that often but he will occasionally throw around the good oh he's doing fine when Vic said that Tyree Cleveland was doing good it seemed extremely genuine and sincere not saying that Vic's typically not like that but this seemed like he really liked what he's seen from Tyree Cleveland and one of the things that Vic said was he gets better every single day so Vic seemed really impressed with Tyree Cleveland. If he continues this, yeah, I definitely think he makes the back end of the roster. Vic doesn't toss around false praise, period. Yeah. Just think about that. And that's why I think you should take note of what he said about Tyree today. I think you should take note of what he said about Justin Stranod yesterday. And I would take even more note on Stranod because – Playing linebacker, that's right in Vic's wheelhouse. That's his area of expertise. If he likes what he sees from Sternod, then I think you can trust that he's going to be somebody who's going to be in the mix and help out. The other thing, Dan, you mentioned that Tyree was 86. Yeah, that is a tight end number. It, <laughs> receivers obviously can take number in the 80s, but numbers in the 80s, but I you know what? 86 is not a number I think of when I think of a wide receiver. I think of a beefy 250-pound tight end. In eighty, yeah, not a yeah. not a sleek wide receiver. Yeah, Tyree's not uh, beef, that's for sure. <laughs> no, but he's doing well. LDJ says, "Hey guys, I'm gonna call my shot because it just makes sense." Although Drew isn't quite there yet, and Cortland isn't as fast, but can be as dominant. Cortland and Drew will be the next Matthew Stafford to Calvin Johnson. I said oh, it. I, I hope. Feel- I hope. I hope there are more playoff wins. <laughs> I just feel this chemistry is becoming our next duo on the Broncos. Cortland and Drew, here's the thing, though. What if Calvin Johnson could have stayed with the Lions when they got Golden Tate and Marvin Jones? How dynamic could they have been? That's where we have Cortland. May not be Megatron. Drew may not quite be Matthew Stafford yet, but they didn't have Judy and KJ Fant, Phil, and Melvin. Man, what do you equate Cortland and Drew's chemistry to? Well, you know what's funny because I mentioned, I, I mentioned earlier Julio Jones, and I don't want to go with the Stafford Johnson example. I want, in terms of chemistry and potential production, I want to go with the Matt Ryan Julio Jones example mm. because they've won some playoff games, they've been right. to a Super Bowl, right. and really, if Kyle Shanahan hadn't gotten too cute, and it's something that he'll kind of admit to in his play calling when they were playing with an eight-point lead late, they would have big fat rings on their fingers right now. And you know what? I, I don't think the door is closed on Matt Ryan and Julio Jones getting to another Super Bowl. I, the, the book is not done on those two working together. If Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton, Drew Locke and Jerry Judy both, if they can have that level of production, fantastic. That's, that's what I think you should shoot for and hope for. Yeah, and man, it's hard to compare anyone to Megatron because he was maybe the most physically gifted and talented wide receiver that this league has ever seen. And Cortland's very physically talented and gifted, but man, I mean, Calvin Johnson was the number two overall pick and lived up to it besides ending his career early. 
Exactly. Grumpy Pancake. Top of the morning, laddies. I have a question. I hope it isn't a dumb one. During these initial practices, do special teams get reps? Haven't heard a peep about them. Thus, it got me wondering, is Sam Martin squeaking out punts inside the 20? Is Brandon McMahon scapegoating 70 yarders in practice to try and justify his atrocious, angry moment from last year? And most importantly, has anyone stood out as a solid kicker punt returner thus far? I don't know much about these practices, so I'm not sure if special teams gets regular reps like the rest of the boys. That's why I'm wondering. Not the sexiest of Broncos news, but still worth noting. One more quick thing. Did y'all hear about the rookie Seahawks player last week who got booted from the team after he tried to smuggle a girl in their COVID lockdown hotel? Apparently, he tried disguising her in full Seahawks gear so anyone who passed them would think she was a team member. What an idiot. Sure gave me a laugh, though. Peace. Keep up the amazing training camp news, dudes, and thanks for all the juicy tidbits you've been bringing. Peace. Colin, well, yeah, did we, we did, I think, touch on that once. I certainly know that I talked about it on the radio quite extensively. It was a funny story out of Seattle. But the special teams, yesterday, when I was out there, they worked on field goals and kickoffs, but not really kickoff, kickoff returns, just kind of just kickoff coverage. I am actually going to talk with both long snappers in the competition later on today. <laughs> there we go. Wes Farnsworth and Jake Bobbinmoyer. So everything you need to know about long snapping, I'm going to uh, get down to the bottom of that. But as for returners, Deontay Spencer, it's his to lose. And as for Sam Martin, well, as mentioned earlier in the podcast, he got off a perfect punt, according to Ryan, Ryan Koenigsberg, that went out of bounds at the one-inch line. Yeah, and right now you can uh... – take that Sharpie that you have next to the roster and write Deontay Spencer's name in because with KJ Hamler being out many weeks, there's no chance he now takes over that kick return job or and punt return job. So it is now Deontay Spencer's not to lose. It's, it's his right, right at an ink yeah. right now. So he's your, he's your kick returner or punt returner this year. And really I've had him in Sharpie for a while, even with KJ Hamler, just because I don't think they want to use somebody who's going to potentially have extensive offensive use as the primary kickoff and punt returner. And Tom McMahon, I think he would stand on a table for Deontay Spencer at this point, based on how he improved over the course of the year. You, you listen to Tom McMahon talk about Deontay Spencer, and you can kind of hear the, the light in his voice and how excited he is about what he can do in year two after being in the CFL. Exactly. True Chant Fan 24 coming in and has a message for RK regarding the Nuggets Jazz series. He simply says one and one. Yeah, man, the Jazz absolutely took it to the Nuggets yesterday. Game three tomorrow. And of course, they've got a double it or nothing pizza bet on the line there. <laughs> Remember this uh, just that game yesterday. First of all, the Jazz were cooking from three. Nuggets weren't great on D, but the Jazz were absolutely smoking from outside. Yesterday felt like the correction, like yeah. the, you know, you, whether you want to call it regression to the mean or the ascension to the mean, because they'd played four games, all tight, all nip and tuck, and the Nuggets had won all four, including the regular season. Felt like yesterday, just it, or the market correction, if you're going to talk about it in stock market terms, that's what it, that's what it seemed like to me, so... Hopefully the Nuggets can put it behind them. They got to play better defense, though. I mean, they just looked lazy and out of touch at that end of the court. Yeah, tomorrow's a big game for the Nuggets. You don't want to go down and have a two-game losing streak against them the way they played yesterday. 100%. Drew Laka. Hello again, gentlemen. It's been a while since I have commented. It's been a busy few weeks with school starting back up again. 
My question is this, how have the other rookies from this year looked so far? I read Zach's article on the website, great job on that, BT Dubs, that talked a little about this a little bit, but I'm mostly curious about Ojemudia, Ajim, Muti, Tuska, and Cleveland. Do you think Tuska or Cleveland have any chance at making the roster? Thanks again for everything you do. Stay happy and healthy, my dudes. Well, let's take a look at those two that you mentioned at the end, Derek Tuska, Tyree Cleveland. We just talked about Tyree Cleveland a moment ago. Who has the better shot of being on the 53 right now? Between those two? Yeah. Mm, Tyree? I think Tyree's in the lead of those two. Yeah, I think so. It's nothing against Derek Tuska, but you still see Justin Hollins working at outside linebacker. Clearly, the second team outside linebackers are Jerry Atachu and Malik Reed. Atachu looks exactly like he did last year. Malik Reed looks better than he did last year. It looks like he's taken some steps forward. So the numbers game right now may not be working in favor of Derek Tuska making the 53. But as a seventh rounder right there at the end of the draft, you'd think the odds be pretty good that he could be snuck onto the practice squad and pass through waivers. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. Oja Mudia, uh has kind of taken a backseat in that third competition uh, for cornerback. Of course, Vic talked about it yesterday, and I think the players that were mentioned were Bosby, Harris, and uh, um, why yeah, am I? Isaac and, and, Yadam. And, and Isaac Yadam. Yadam. Exactly. So it kind of seems like those three have a leg up. Uh, Ojemudia has got a couple ones with the or runs with the ones when I've been watching. Um, and Muti, uh, a backup this year for sure. It, I think it's a lock for him making the team, though. And obviously, same with the Jim. Rotating in a tiny bit. Um, but definitely a lock for the team. Ajim is showing a spark, and I think uh, if I'm Demarcus Walker, I'm really concerned about my spot on the roster because of how Ajim is looking right now. Natani Muti, it seems like most years there is that developmental offensive lineman that doesn't get a jersey unless things are dire in terms of injuries for that position group. I think Muti is trending in that direction toward being a guy who's on the 53 but he's scratched week after week. Without a doubt. Vonster returns. Hey, guys, I've been watching the tight end competition, and I feel like Noah Fant and Albert O are practically the same player as far as strengths and weaknesses. Do you see the comparison as well? I think that everyone would say that Fant's ceiling is higher because of where he was drafted and what he has shown so far. I was wondering where you think Albert O's ceiling is and what current tight end he could be compared to. Well, the comparison is in their speed. They can, when they get a free release, they can get downfield in a hurry. Where the comparison stops is, A, Fant is better after the catch, especially when he makes a short area catch in the flat at getting yards after the reception. He's, a, he's better at that than Albert Okwebunam. The other thing is, Noah Fant, he's not going to turn the world upside down with his blocking but he's a willing blocker yeah alberto is a long way off as a blocker and frankly zach i think that's why even though he has made has had some flashes here in camp he may struggle to get a jersey he's going to make the 53 but like natani muti he may be looking at being inactive just because they're going to need they're going to need some blockers it's one reason why I wouldn't close the door on Troy Fumagalli making the 53-man roster if he continues to play as well as he has because he can block. 
Yeah, you nailed it in the differences between those two tight ends. But the thing about Alberto that's so exciting is just his receiving abilities. You don't need three deep tight ends that can all be a pass catcher and a great run blocker. If Alberto just turns into to a great receiving threat, well, that's okay. He's probably with Noah Fant. He's probably never going to be your number one tight end, but that's fine for from a great number two and he'd be more so not the number two tight end on the team. He'd just be a weapon that the Broncos yeah. would have, and specifically this year because it's you can't really ask him to become a great blocker in a couple of months. Best case scenario, I think, if things work out for Alberto. The ceiling is Eric Ebron. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Yep, maybe even a, a more consistent Eric Ebron. Yeah, or, or in terms of maybe somebody who's kind of a notch lower, if Albert O can develop some blocking skills, I think he could be like Vance McDonald in Pittsburgh. Mm, yeah, maybe an Evan Ingram maybe. Yeah, but the thing, the reason I mentioned those two, Ebron had huge consistency issues early. Vance McDonald, it took a trade in a couple of years to really get him going. I loved him coming out of Rice, and now he's starting to justify my love from way back then, as I make a Madonna reference there. But it took some time, and I think it's going to take some time with Alberto. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of justifying love, let's talk about the Manscaped and the Lawnmower 3.0. You don't want to have to justify anything. You just want the best products to keep the family jewels and below the belt. Nice, clean, tucked up. Uh, so make sure to check out Manscaped. Get your hands on a Lawnmower 3.0. Guys, I'm serious. It really is the best razor for anything out there the uh, skin safe technology is huge when you're working below the belt it's got a light it is waterproof i love the waterproof feature and seriously guys add on the shears 2.0 nail kit perfect addition to take care of your nails and your eyebrows uh, so they have it all over at manscaped.com and the great thing is you can get 20 percent off by using that magical code dnvr20 at manscaped.com and you get free shipping so go to manscaped.com Load up on the Lawnmower 3.0, the Perfect Package 3.0, which has the Lawnmower 3.0, and add that Shears 2.0 luxury four-piece nail kit. Smash that code DNVR20. Get yourself free shipping and 20% off. Hey, and there are things that should be part of your morning routine. Manscaped, taking care of your family jewels. Also, getting that buzz, but getting some of the benefits of CBD in the morning. And what better way to do it than with Strava Craft Coffee, which is rich CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups as well for your Keurig, but also whole bean or ground. Use that magical code DNVR20 and get 20% off when you order online. Of course, you can order it. It'll ship to you very fast, well, at least as fast as uh, the current services will allow. But don't worry. It won't take long. They'll take care of you and get you there. But don't – but but don't forget, you don't have to get it at home. If you're in the Denver area, check out the Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market. And also, is it not available at the DMVR Bar, Zach, right now? Ah, it certainly is on tap. Exactly. See, so many places to go to get your craft coffee fix and also get some of that CBD, which has all sorts of benefits. Of course, it takes the psychotropic elements of marijuana out of the equation. You just get the good stuff. I use some CBD balm, for example, was having a little muscle strain down in my quad. Use some CBD, 
you know, that pain, it went away. I'm back functioning, taking my walks, taking my hikes. Thanks to CBD, it can help you as well. And Strava Craft Coffee is a great and tasty way to do it. If you're a coffee, if, if you're a coffee enthusiast, Strava Craft Coffee is the way to go. Don't forget, purchase it online and get 20% off using that magical code DNVR20. Yeah, just uh, just finishing a cup myself right now. I like Put it, it over ice. Little Ooh, afternoon nice. pick me up during the pod. Uh, now and that's that's an afternoon delight right there. <laughs> it sure is afternoon delight. Sky rocketed flight. <laughs> afternoon delight. Or you could do it the way uh, Will Hunting does it. Sky rockets in flight. Butter, butter. Afternoon delight. Hey, <laughs> afternoon delight. <laughs> Beautiful, Mace. Beautiful. <laughs> and before we go any further with the questions, just want to let you guys know where you can leave a question now that we're in training camp. Go to thednvr.com. Go to podcasts at the top of the screen. Then the first one under that is the Broncos podcast. Click on that. Then find the most recent podcast episode posted. It'll be just the one at the very top. Click on it. Scroll to the bottom and a comment section will pop up. That's where you can leave your comments. You have to be a, a subscriber to thednvr.com to leave those comments. Gives you that exclusive right to do that. And then we get to those questions on the very next podcast. So that's how you do it. And with it being training camp, with questions starting to flow in, we do ask that you keep your questions short. You guys have, for the most part, done a great job with that. We really appreciate it. Uh, just so that we can get to every question. Um, and so just make sure, leave your question there. We'll get to it on the next one. We really appreciate you guys leaving those questions short. Next one coming in from Onion Town Links. My boys, Calvin Anderson, tell me about him. How's he been doing? Is he getting time opposite DeMar Dotson on the third team right now? Actually been seeing him get some second team work as well. Ooh. And today after practice, uh, Vic Fangio said, oh, never mind, or about DeMar Dotson. Vic Fangio said uh, that he does have something left in the tank. Good. Let's get DeMar Dotson out there with the ones. But Calvin Anderson, of course, he had that video that he put out there where he had a real great adjustment and made, picked up a second block. I believe it was on uh, Mike Purcell uh, got him. That's the sort of awareness you want to see. There are some really fascinating tools with Calvin Anderson. And uh, it's not necessarily physical, but a lot of them about awareness, intelligence, the ability to not get flustered. I see all those things with Calvin Anderson out there. I'm, I'm excited. I hope he's on the 53 because I feel like Calvin might be the Mike Munchak developmental project that ends up striking gold. Mm, very well could be, man. How big would that be, Mace? It'd be awesome. And we'd get more of Calvin's emoji game. Yeah. I like we, that. We wouldn't be able to talk about him, though, so that would be a shame. Why not? Well, shh, you got to be quiet. Yeah, just Calvin asked for some quiet <laughs> in that emoji game. I, you know what? Uh, maybe I should put in an interview request for Calvin Anderson as well because mm. I think Calvin's become a cult hero here on this podcast. He certainly has. <laughs> he certainly <laughs> has. <laughs> Nate the Great says, Wait, no, there, there was more from uh, Onion Town Links. So you want me to read it? or you can Yeah, take go it? for it. Okay. Also, Mace, I'm sorry you weren't here for the superstar team of Joes and Johns. 
but you'll be glad to know that even though I said active players only, Zach and Ryan make John Elway and Joe Montana their quarterbacks as well as a few other mistakes. Please fix this. Send help. Do your thing. You know what? I've been thinking about this. There are sometimes some comments that I really want to have some longer responses to like this. Maybe this needs to be kind of my day off thing that I kind of go do a column that is just respond like responses like this. I'm actually going to put it in a notepad file here so I can remember this. Mm, would love that. Definitely yeah. would love that. I think that, yeah, I think this would be a lot of fun to do. Onion Town Lanes continues. This coverage has recently has really boosted my spirits. I was so tired of hearing about and talking about what ifs and maybes. So now that it's actually starting to ramp up again, here you are putting out podcasts by what feels like the hour love from Walla Walla links. And you know what? You put it perfectly. I couldn't feel the same way. I, I couldn't, I, I feel the same way. I couldn't feel any different. I couldn't put it any better. It's like the episode of the Simpsons where the aliens, Kang and Kodos, they come to visit and they pick up Homer Simpson and uh, Homer says, oh, aliens. Well, better get this over with. And he pulls down his pants and bends over. Oh, and the aliens say, stop. We have reached the limits of what rectal probing can teach us. Oh, my God. We had reached the limits of what we could do without seeing OTAs, without any in-person access whatsoever. I mean, you saw me. I was kind of at wit's end, especially when we go to one of those hot take CBS sports ranking pieces and have umbrage over it. Now we're talking about football. Exactly. Thank so so pumped about it. Yes, yes. Love you, Onion Town Links. Thanks for chiming in. Nate the Great, my boys. Who is the punt and kick returner? Love Spencer, but with all the wide receivers we have, not sure if he makes the team. Thanks for all you do. Looking forward to the DNVR bar next time. And I'm in Colorado. Also, sorry, RK. I made my own RK special. Wasn't a fan. Yikes. But loving the 15-pack strawberry sky that I can get in Wyoming now. Stay safe and go Broncos. Well, I think you know both Mace and I's answer to the punt returner. Uh, it's going to be Deontay Spencer. Yeah. Lock him in. <laughs> and mixing the drinks all in one, it's not for everybody. I I remember when I was in basketball camp at North Carolina back when I was a kid and I would make something called a suicide, which would be where I took my drink cup and got some Coca-Cola, some Sprite, some orange drink, some. Oh, of course. Those are the best. Yeah. 11 year old me really dug that. (laughs) 44 year old me. Not so much. (laughs) At yield fate slash Hingle McCringleberry. Slash Brick Tamlin says, all these comments about the Nuggets-Jazz game one have me laughing. I'm personally a Jazz fan and love to have elected to Jazz where in game two when the Nuggets looked uncomfortable. That Gobert block on Jokic really put an exclamation mark on the game. Excited for the rest of the series. Yeah, absolutely. I'm stoked for it as well. Yeah, that's your two-time defensive player of the year right there, even though with Rudy Gobert, a lot of my thoughts are, if I can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. I just said the nice part. He's a hell of a defensive player. <laughs> and we'll end there. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and that's it. Hey, Duke, abides. From the reports I am seeing, it seems like the competition from the offense and the defense is a bit more balanced this year. The defense has had a few days they dominated, but the offense seems more able to bounce back than they have been the past few years. It also seems like there have been more practices that both sides of the ball made some plays, but you wouldn't necessarily say one or the other won the day. 
Is that what you guys are seeing out there? Or does this look more similar to, say, the Keenum camp that I am remembering? I, I think everything you said is spot on there. I can yeah. point to uh, the practice yesterday, and it, it was even. Now, Cortland Sutton did steal the day with a couple of deep, deep plays, but you also saw some pressures that resulted in sacks. You also saw some takeaways from on the defensive side of the ball. It's been, it's been balanced. It's been more like what you hope to see. Yeah, exactly, and that is what you hope to see, especially today's practice besides the injuries, very balanced. Um, unfortunately, I've seen the two practices where the defense has clearly won, but it's been balanced, and that's what you like to see. Next one from Stolen Ham, 46. What is the ceiling for Judy this year? What kind of year is needed for him to be Offensive Rookie of the Year? Last receiver to do it was OBJ in 2014, and before him it was Percy Harvin in 09. Cheers. Okay. Yeah, it's got to be a year where he not only has, I'd say, over 1,100 yards, probably at least 75 receptions, <laughs> but also there have to be some spectacular plays to make that happen. And then the other thing that has to come into play is that you can't have a running back go off, and you can't have a rookie quarterback go off. If Joe Burrow has a very good rookie season, he's probably getting rookie of the year. If Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis busts out working with Phillip Rivers, if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is what the Chiefs believe he's going to be at running back, especially with Damian Williams out of the picture, then those guys, that's going to be the, the cluster of players who become the rookie of the year favorites. And so Jerry Judy could have a really good season, but – it's hard to top a running back or a quarterback having a really good rookie year in terms of impact. And you know what? The funny thing is fantasy football sort of guides this, Zach, because when you have a spectacular rookie runner, there's a lot of buzz about him, and the media vote tends to react accordingly. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% right, Mace. Um, and uh... – Gosh, it doesn't matter what Jerry Judy does if Joe Burrow has a great year. I'm looking at OBJ's numbers his rookie year when he won rookie of the year. Mace, he played in 12 games. Keep that in mind. 12 games, 75% of the season, not 100%. He had 91 catches, 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns. He led the league with 108 receiving yards per game. So if he would have played 16 games, he would have had uh, – almost 1,700 yards. That is insane. He was the best receiver in the league that year on a per-game average. So that's what Jerry Judy has to do pretty much is be top five, top three, not of rookies, of all receivers. And then to punctuate that, OBJ had the signature moment, the falling backward, leaning his right hand back near the goal line against Dallas to make that catch. The one, I have a Christmas ornament from Hallmark that immortalizes that catch that I put on my tree every year, one of the many football-related ornaments that I have. So it's got to be big numbers and then a signature moment that sticks in everybody's mind. Otherwise, you are going to be talking about a quarterback or a running back as, as rookie of the year. And, oh, by the way, if, since 2010, only – one wide receiver is one offensive rookie of the year. The rest have been quarterbacks and running backs. So like last year, Kyler Murray won it. If Joe Burrow has a season like Kyler Murray did this year, 
Joe Burrow's probably going to be the rookie of the year unless Jerry Judy has an OBJ-like season. Horse clock lock chiming in. Tyreek got injured today. I never root for injuries, but the kind of person he is, plus the team he plays for, I couldn't help but crack a smile. I just hope the football gods didn't notice and return the favor back on my team. Well, I don't know when you left that comment, but uh, injuries piling up for the Broncos too, as we know. Yeah, it's pads are going on. It's a it's a, an inevitability of camp. You're just hoping that these injuries aren't uh, aren't severe, but this is it's just the way things are there. They're accumulating all over the league as yeah. well. And the, you know, the thing to watch here too, and it was a concern in 2011 and it was borne out. It's a concern this year is soft tissue injuries. And that's where you start wondering about the training in the off season. Was it everything that it needed to be when these guys were away from the team facility? And, you know, some of the injuries we saw for the Broncos, they're soft tissue. I'm not saying not saying that guys didn't do the work necessary, didn't do the work necessary or work hard, but sometimes uh, you've got a greater risk of soft tissue injuries when you lose the ability to have them in your building for the entire off season. So something to watch going forward. The other Ryan, my boys, I like what I have been reading and hearing with respect to how Kendall Hinton has been performing at training camp. Do you think that Hinton can supplant Deontay Spencer on the final roster, especially if he shows that himself to be a competent kickoff and punt returner? which he did at Wake Forest after being moved from quarterback to receiver. Perhaps such a move would be feasible if there were preseason games to gauge that. I'd be, it'd be sweet if Hinton became the Broncos' version of Antoine Randall L., who also played quarterback in college. DNV Army, salute. Well, the other run, I just don't think that there's, uh, there's enough time or opportunities for Kendall Hinton to do that. And as we said about Deontay Spencer, he's on the roster. He's your returner. Yeah, I, I, if Spencer isn't hurt, then – he's getting the job and yeah. with Kendall Hinton this is where you're hoping that the lack of preseason games and thus the lack of film helps some guys slip through mentioned Derek Tuska I think Kendall Hinton could be that guy another one of those guys that the Broncos try to be very quiet about and then slip him through and claim him off waivers for the practice squad one day after the final cutdown. I think that's that's the way it's trending for him right now right Yep, 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 exactly. Rian uh, Yappaport. And let, did you have something more on that? or? Nope, it's all okay. you, Mace. All right, Rian Yappaport. Hey, fellas, fantastic coverage of training camp so far. I just heard about Todd Davis and wish him a quick and speedy recovery. On that note, is there any chance the Broncos move Derek Tuska to the inside? It seems from his college film that he has a very high motor and may be able to fill that gaping hole. Thanks, as always, guys. Keep the content flowing like a river, strawberry sky, and then – he says, whoops, forgot about Justin Stranod. Yeah, I, Derek Tuska, they're going to work with him on the outside. He's got that motor, but he's also got some pass rush moves as well. I don't think you want to start moving him right away. I think, if anything, the p- perils of some guys the last few years have shown why you don't move guys from their natural position unless it's a last resort. Do not, do not, do not DeMarcus Walker him. Just sim- simple, <laughs> simple as that. Rian Yappaport again says, double comment Thursday. I was listening to RK speak on the intensity of practice, and it jogged a memory. Think back to the joint practice of last year against the 49ers and how you guys ripped the Broncos for their lackluster ferocity throughout the week. Do you think this change is a signal of the culture change in the locker room? If it is, can we attribute the change to Fangio? Well, as much as I want to say, um, yeah, great point, and absolutely, you nailed it on the head. This is a different type of, uh, of energy than what the 49ers had last year. Guys, the energy the 49ers had 
was before practice started, that right in front of us when we were recording the pod, before practice, key, the linebacker group was in a huddle, hooting and hollering, screaming. Like this was the two-minute warning before they were uh, going to stop Drew Locke with a game-winning drive in a real game. It was crazy. I, ha- I still haven't seen that uh, at-, at a practice. The-, the energy and intensity right now is kind of what you feel through a lot of training camps at this time, once you're a week or two weeks in. It's guys going back and forth, and it's great energy. I'm not saying it's worse than what San Francisco had, but uh, I'd be lying to you if I said that it's the exact same thing. It's not the same thing. And I think also where some of the energy is coming from is the urgency of not having a lot of time to get ready, not having preseason games. I think that is a cause of seeing more energy out there on the practice field right now than we saw at this time last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, Mace – That'll do it for us today. And before we get out of here, got to tell you guys about Green Mountain Dental Group out in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentists in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. So take the quick 15-minute drive from downtown Denver to check out a partner that has been supporting us for a long time. That's Green Mountain Dental. And when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's right. Get your teeth cleaned top Colorado sports and get a free Sonicare toothbrush by scheduling that x-ray cleaning and exam at Green Mountain Dental. That'll do it for us today on this Thursday edition of day six of training camp. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. We'll talk to you tomorrow on what's going to be a fun fired up Friday. Have a great Thursday guys. (laughs) 